2: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smartfood. Add smart. To learn more visit smartfood.com. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. This week we've brought together members of the BBC Music Magazine team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me today in the BBC Music Studio are Jeremy Pound, the Deputy Editor, and Rebecca Franks, our Reviews Editor. Hello. Hola. This month we've been listening to a recording of French orchestral music with a distinctly Spanish theme, as you might have guessed from Jeremy's greeting by Chabrier, Massenet, Ravel, and Debussy, performed by Les Siekler under the baton of François Xavier Roux. But is this recording a case of "ole" or "oh no"? To open proceedings, let's hear an extract from the opening track, Chabrier's Exuberant España. So that was an extract from Chabrier's España. Um, very much a, a traditional portrayal of Spain, isn't it, Jeremy? Really, very much the sort of the the Spanish dances, the the sunshine, the the flavours.
2: Exactly. Within this disc, you get two two kind of looks at Spain, actually. Um, Although the composers are only kind of divided by about 50, 60 years apart, they write in two different styles. Um, Chabrier's um, Espana and Massenet's Suite from the Ballet of Lucid both kind of have a sort of idealised version of Spain. They're, kind of, they're trying to portray Spanish themes, it's how a Frenchman might see Spain. Whereas Ravel and Debussy is kind of Spain in their language. It's much more sort of impressionistic. It's sort of a, an overall image. And so, yes, with the Chabrier and the Massanet, actually you have um, Castan, and things like that, you can actually clearly hear the dance rhythms. And as you say, a lot of it is, is very sunny. Actually, all four works on this on this disc are quite sunny in their funny way. But the Chabrier and the Massenet, in particular, kind of really evoke the, the Spanish sunshine and the, the dances it's, and the people.
1: It's almost as if they, they've gone on holiday there and have come back very enthusiastic, as anyone does when they've gone on a holiday to Spain and come back and say, well, I've, you know, I've got to portray this." You know, I went to a flamenco bar or I saw dancers dancers in the streets and that kind of thing. It's, it's very much a party atmosphere, isn't
0: it? It is, and actually, he wrote about. Um, the dances that he'd seen and there's this lovely sort of letter he's describing it, um seeing all the different different regional Spanish dances and then hearing the bells and seeing the city before him when he was in a tower under a, a snow white moon, I think he says. So it's very much this kind of idyllic holiday feel. And I suppose almost uh, there was this kind of innocence at discovering all this stuff for the first time that and actually now maybe it's sort of become these have become cliches really almost of Spain. But at the time there was that kind of Real sense of
1: discovery. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, France had a sort of very special relationship with Spain, not least sixty years before Napoleon invading Spain. I mean, the, the French and the Spanish have been very much at odds, and uh, but but have had this connection over the years. And I think that's borne out by Jules Massonet's uh, wonderful four-act opera, uh, Le Cid, um, which really does, again, much like the Chabrier, bring out those um, very exuberant sort of Spanish rhythms and harmonies. Yes, I agree. And um, what we get in the, the
2: ballet of Le Cid is actually because it's a French grand opera, um, which traditionally have a sort of a dance move, slap bang in the middle of them. And the ballet we have here on this disc is from the second act of, of Le Cid. And as you say, it's got it's like a sort of of a tour of Spain. Um, in dance, you, you have um, Castellan um, from Castile, obviously, and then you have Andalus from Andalusia, Aragonese, Aubard, Catalan, Mandrillen, and Navarre. So that takes you all the way from Andalusia in the south up to Navarra, which is actually part of the Basque country um, up in the north. And the, the characters of the dances are very, very different. It's quite interesting that Catalan is, is quite a sort of, quite a sturdy, strict, almost kind of to the point dance, which is how you actually imagine. In the catalans these days i say this is someone who has a catalan sister-in-law she'd probably tell me off for saying this but they are quite a business-like type and you don't have that sort of lazy hazy feel which you do very much with andalus for instance
0: For me, this is the real highlight of the disc, actually. I think they're really, um, the the orchestra really, really shines here, brings out all the fun and the colour and the the atmosphere of each of these dances. Um, They're live performances, so you do get um, a bit of coughing and spluttering, and it is a bit noticeable in here, but it doesn't really detract from these.
2: What I really like, and what I really like in this suite is, is actually the the track we've chosen next, which is um, Madrilen, which is from Madrid, the capital, of course, in which you get two different feels within the one dance. So you have the sort of the sultriness. Um, to begin with, which is graced by a, a lovely cor anglais solo, which actually reminds me a little bit of the central movements of the um, Concerto de Ranjuez from much later. And then halfway through, it kind of moves into a much friskier kind of movement as, the, as sort of the city comes to life. It's quite fun.
1: I think what's quite noticeable about certainly that second extract is, although it is Spanish, Spanish dances, Spanish rhythms, um, it really does have that 19th century French flavour. Uh, you can really hear the often bark shining through, which I think is quite quite amusing, actually. Um, what I think is fascinating, though, is the fact that this orchestra is playing what they say are authentic instruments. And you can hear the flute very much in there. Of course, the the, the metal body, the metal bore flute, being uh, very much a sort of a French development of the 19th century. And, you know, these instruments being very much typical of the kind of instruments that would have been used. Um, So François Xavier wrote claims um, at the time.
0: It's interesting, actually, in the booklet notes, they have a a very comprehensive list of the instruments they're playing, who's made them, their dates and everything. So you can really... Uh, You can get get stuck in there. But at the beginning, when they're sort of talking about it, there's not actually a huge amount of elaboration on exactly... Um, why they've chosen the ones they have and it, it just says the musicians carried out restoration work to rediscover the original colours of the works and I'm not entirely clear if they had to restore the instruments or if they had to go back to the original scores. It was actually what that involved and it would be quite nice to know mm. a little bit more about
1: that really. I mean aside from the strings being um, obviously gut strings I have to say that f- to my ears the instruments themselves haven't developed a huge amount up to today and then and there isn't, I mean the, orc- the orchestral playing is absolutely superb but I have a feeling that it would have been just as superb, just as cap- and just as smooth had they used entirely modern instruments. I mean, a lot of people are using violins anyway from the 18th century, so I I can't see...
2: You have to be pretty sharp-eared, actually, to to spot that they're playing on period instruments in times in this recording. Actually, I've got a recording of very similar repertoire um, conducted by Artolfo Argenta, um, which uses modern instruments and I was playing them yesterday evening kind of contrasting the two and actually at times there really is very little difference in texture between the two.
0: And actually, François Xavier wrote, he kind of says that the instruments um, sort of dictate finding the tone and the tempo and the balance, which I'm sure is is true because presumably there are sort of different imitations and considerations. But also actually, I think it's just this music finds its own tempo and finds mm. its own balance in a way.
1: I, I think it's a slight distraction. I think this is music beautifully played, and and, and the programme is absolutely beautifully put together, as we'll go on to discover. Uh, and I think you know this is something that we don't really need to know a huge amounts about. I agree I, and I bet if you, you blind played this to to most listeners they wouldn't be able to tell you that it was period instruments if I'm I agree. being really honest. <laughs> I
0: think I so agree.
1: So, <laughs> the, so to the second half of this disc the Ravel and the Debussy uh Rebecca perhaps you can tell us a little bit about the the Ravel. Uh
0: yes so uh we have uh Ravel's Alborada del Grazioso, uh, which was originally written uh as a piano version in 1905 and then later orchestrated in 1918 um there's quite a nice uh, quote. Fire said that, of the orchestration, there shines an ingenuity and virtuosity that have never been surpassed because Ravel had this wonderful ear for, for orchestration and, and bringing out all the different colours and different uh, sort of
1: textures. Mm. And this really is about the tastes and the smells of Spain as much as it's about the dance rhythms and, 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 the, uh, and the looks and the colours. You know, this is basically an all-encompassing three-dimensional impression of Spain, isn't it, really?
2: It is. It's also uh, very remarkable for its um, wonderful instrumental solos as well. You, you, he picks out instruments here and there and everywhere and kind of gives each instrument its, its moment in the sun. That's also what he does in a very more obvious way in Bolero, of course, where he actually and playing turn by turn. Here, each one is pulled out though and you kind of hear it and then it kind of goes back into the texture as you say and it's much more of a generic picture of Spain as you say rather than sort of trying to pick out the exact scenes.
0: But obviously he was one one composer on this disc that actually had sort of Spanish roots because he was born in the Basque area and um, his mother was was Basque but also I think it's quite interesting that for him Spain was always this source of inspiration from quite early on in the same way that actually sort of ancient music was as well so it's sort of one of his many inspirations mm.
1: and it's thrillingly played actually we're going to hear the last um, minute or so of the Ravel um, which reminds me I don't know if it reminds you but of Laval's very much
0: I have written that down on my notes too Yeah.
1: <laughs> I always love the the way that Ravel ends these kind of pieces in a kind of frenzy. Um, it's very um,
0: he writes uh, a good ending.
1: Demented, he does, yeah, um, in many <laughs> ways. And then we move on to Debussy's *Iberia* um, in three movements. Um, very much again the the, the the sort of smells of of Spain as much as the dances. Um, this is very sort of atmospheric, very beautifully scored, slightly simpler than the Ravel, I think. It is, though um, you do get
2: themes which kind of crop up on all three movements there is a kind of thread between the three what you really get is two slightly faster movements livelier movements, one and three and then the, the second movement is a classic central slow movement and that's the sort of the real heart of the work it's, uh, it's Les parfum de la Nuit which is sort of the, that sort of aromatic feel you get on a, a very warm Spanish night where Debussy is in, is in his element as a sort of picture painter it's, it's rather good
0: I'm not sure I could quite put my finger on exactly why, but I didn't feel that this was the strongest of their performances on the disc. Somehow it didn't leave such a lasting impression as, as the other three. Um, I don't know if it's because you need to have more imagination to, with the colour to sort of conjure up this world, perhaps... I don't know, it's just a personal reflection. It's but quite <laughs> difficult.
1: I, it would, I mean, it's very difficult music to play because it's quite static sometimes in its writing, particularly as Debussy's waiting for the sun to come up, for example, both in this work and in La Mer. I think, I think it's quite difficult to have a sense of direction in something that is waiting for, for events to happen. Um, so I think we should hear an extract uh, from Les Parfums de la Nuit, the, s- the Smells of the Night, The Perfumes of the Night. So that was an extract from Les Parfums de la Nuit, uh, Debussy from Debussy's Iberia, and it's now time for the scores. Jeremy, out of ten.
2: I'm of going to give it nine out of ten. I absolutely adored the Chabrier, the Massanet and the Ravel. The Debussy, I didn't find I was wallowing in it quite as much as I'd like to, but that was a small small caveat. Nine out of ten. Great disc. Rebecca?
0: Eight out of ten from me. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, fantastic performance of the Massenet, I really thought. And... Yes, I will be listening to it again,
1: and I'm also going to give it eight. Um, I thought that I mean it was a tremendously well-performed um, recording. Um, actually, to hell with it, I'm going to give it nine. I thought it was a wonderful disc. Um, I, I, I I I I mean, as I said earlier, I think the period instrument um, thing is a little bit of a distraction, but I thought the program was so magical and I thought I loved the progression from the Chabrier to the Debussy um, so yes, and the recording quality I thought was very fine despite it being a, a live recording so that's a 9 out of 10 for me so that gives us a an average of 8 and 2 thirds so 8 and 2 thirds for this recording um, of Chabrier Massinet, Ravel and Debussy So that brings us to the end of this month's First Listen. Join us next month when we'll be getting together once more to discuss another major new recording. Goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.